Nidra, you're on mute. <laughs> okay. There you go. Class. <laughs> <laughs> well, go to class. Read my mind. Anyway, um, there's no shortage of uh, passages to read uh, for Lesson 192. And I put something together yesterday. Hopefully it's it's a fairly cogent in, in the process of doing that. It's been a crazy morning. I don't have a beginning reading to uh, to start off with, so I'm just going to jump into the lesson and we'll do something at the end. <clears throat> so, um, okay. I have a function God would have me fill. It is your father's holy will that you complete himself and that yourself shall be his sacred son, forever pure as he, of love created and in love preserved, extending love, creating in its name, forever one with God and with yourself. That's a beautiful passage. That's our true identity. <clears throat> Jesus started uh, this lesson with discussing who we really are, our true identity. And I like to contrast that with, on the other page, just on 364, you who perceive yourself as weak and frail with futile hopes and devastated dreams, born but to die, to weep and suffer pain. Highly in contrast to this, this is the ego identity and then uh, uh, Jesus opens with our identity. And it was interesting last night and <clears throat> I have a beginning study group one of the students asked me, she said, <clears throat> Nidra, and she studied, uh, she's been uh, uh, doing um, uh, science of mind. And uh, Nidra, do you feel like spirit? And I, and I thought, do I feel like spirit? Anyway, I'm just throwing it out to you because later on we can pick this up as a conversation. I'll tell you what I told her. I, I had to think about it for a second. Um, and uh, one of the exercises I'm going to do, I think we'll, uh, you know, pretty much identify uh, how we feel that, how we know that. So anyway, so our true identity is how Jesus leads us off. And as a result of our two identities, and I think I shared with you last time about my identity, <clears throat> and I was having challenges with that I was able to put on the altar and let it go. Uh, and since then, I can honestly say that it hasn't really been an issue uh, coming up for me. So, you know, that, that part of, of my identity that, um, that I dealt with, because truly I'm trying to get back to who is my true identity. I have my, my, my false identity, my ego identity, which is, you know, was a lot of it. So as I start getting rid of that and start doing the course and identify myself more with my true identity, and that's the goal. Cause she, so I read this and I said, uh, do I really feel this? Do I really know that this is who I am? Um, that was a good question to ask myself because that is, you know, it's a question I think as we go through the course, you know, what is my identity? Do I, do I identify with this? Do I identify with what Jesus said? <clears throat> so I'm going to do some readings and uh, then I'm going to do, do an exercise <clears throat> and we can talk more about that because we wanted to know what our function is and it's really interesting. Uh, uh, our we have two functions depending on who our teacher is, and uh, I want to do some reading and we can discuss that. My first reading, I'm going to go to page 148, chapters, uh, chapter six, the treasure of God. So page 148, 
And I'm just going to read a couple of sentences from each paragraph. So on the first paragraph, I'm going to read uh, um, the first paragraph. I'm going to read uh, just a few sentences. We are all the joint will of the sonship whose wholeness is for all. We begin the journey back by setting out together and gather in our brothers as we conti continue together. Every gain in our strength is offered for all. So they too can lay aside their weakness and add their strength to us. Again, we're talking about joining and shared interests. And I'm going over to paragraph eight. And <clears throat> sentence four. Our function is to work together because apart from each other, we cannot function at all. The whole power of God's son lies in all of us but not in any of us alone. Does someone have their mic on by any chance? Check that, because I hear a lot of background noise. Oh, there it is, thank you. And going to paragraph nine, sentence three, <clears throat> we cannot be separated. Whom God has joined cannot be separated and God has joined all his sons with himself. And uh, when we, uh, when we uh, decided that we were uh, separated from God, we separated ourselves, of course, so that we can have um, an entity to project our guilt, our guilt on. That's why we're separate bodies. And we were never meant to be separate. We aren't separate. We think we're separate. And that's uh, what I just read. That's what I was talking about. So now I'm going to go to page 168. Chapter nine, the Holy Spirit's plan of forgiveness. So let's go to 168. Atonement is for all because, is it, because it is the way to undo the belief that anything is for you alone. To forgive is to overlook. Look then beyond error and do not let your perception rest upon it. For you will believe that your what your perception holds. Um, and we do believe it here in form. We do believe what we see is what is true. But we also know through the course that it's just an illusion. But it does have power in that. It really does. Accept as true only what your brother is if you would know yourself. Perceive what he is not, and you cannot know what you are, because you see him falsely. Remember always that your identity is shared, and that, it, that its sharing is its reality. So depending on who we think our identity is, is our identity aligned with Christ, or is our identity aligned with the ego? Because as we align with either teacher, that's what we see. That's what our perception is. So let's go to paragraph three. The atonement is a lesson in sharing, which is given you because you have forgotten how to do it. The Holy Spirit merely reminds you of the natural use of your abilities. By reinterpreting the ability to, to attack into the ability to share, he translates what you have made into what God created. If you would accomplish this through him, 
You cannot look on your abilities through the eyes of the ego, or you will judge them as it does. All their harmfulness lies in the ego's judgment. All their helpfulness lies in the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Again, choosing which teacher. The next sentence, the ego too has a plan of forgiveness because you're asking for one, though not of the right teacher. And I'm going to read paragraph seven at the bottom, which uh, clarifies that. The confusion of functions is so typical of the ego that you should be quite familiar with it by now. The ego believes that all functions belong to it, even though it has no idea what they are. This is more than a mere confusion. It is a particularly dangerous combination of grandiosity and confusion that makes the ego likely to attack anyone and anything for no reason at all. This is, this is exactly what the ego does. It is unpredictable in its responses because it has no idea of what it perceives. So let's go back to paragraph five. Again, uh, we have it's totally, it lays out the two different teachers that we have choices uh, of. And the ego, of course, thinks, you know, uh, it, it, its function is the only function. All it does is create chaos. We, we see it all around us. We see a world filled with hate and filled with problems, and they're never going to go away. They're here because we want it that way. We want to project our guilt onto someone else so we feel innocent. There, it's a specialness. They were given, the guilt is everywhere else except with me. So let's read paragraph five. Forgiveness that is learned of me does not use fear to undo fear, nor does it make real the unreal and then destroy it. Forgiveness through the Holy Spirit lies in simply in looking beyond error from the beginning and thus keeping it unreal for you. Do not let any belief in its realness enter your mind or you will also believe that you must undo what you have made in order to be forgiven. What has no effect does not exist. And to the Holy Spirit, the effects of error are non-existent. By steadily and consistently canceling out all effects everywhere and in all respects, he teaches that the ego does not exist and proves it. I think, see, I want to check something first. I want to see if I want to read this before I do something. Oh yeah, I want to read this first before um, I do something. So on page 279, chapter 14, your function in the atonement. Let's go there. So I'm going to start with uh, the first paragraph. When you accept a brother's guiltlessness, you will see the atonement in him. For by proclaiming it in him, you make it yours, and you will see what you sought. You will not see the symbol of your brother's guiltlessness shining within him while you still believe it is not there. His guiltlessness is your atonement. Grant it to him and you will see the truth of what you have acknowledged. Yet truth is offered first to be received, even as God gave it first to his son. The first in time means nothing, but the first in eternity is God, the father, who is both the first and one. Beyond the first, there is no other, for there is no order, no second or third, and nothing but the first. So that's essentially where we are and who we are. And that's our function here in form as we 
made it. We think we're separate from, from our cause, but we're not. Um, I want to read uh, chapter, I mean, uh, paragraph two. You who belong to the first cause created by him, like unto himself and part of him, are none than not, are more than merely guiltless. The state of guiltlessness is only the condition in which what is not there has been removed from the disordered mind and thought it was. This state and only this must you attain with God beside you. For until you do, you will still think that you are separate from him. You can perhaps feel his presence next to you, but cannot know that you are one with him. And down to paragraph three, sentence four. <clears throat> Ask not to be forgiven, for this has already been accomplished. Ask rather to learn how to forgive and to restore what always was to your unforgiving mind. Atonement becomes real and visible to those who use it. On earth, this is your only function, and you must learn that it is all you want to learn. You will feel guilty till you learn this. For in the end, whatever form it takes, your guilt arises from your failure to fulfill your function in God's mind with all of yours. That means all of us, because we are one. We're only separate here in form because it's, it's to our ego's advantage to do that. Uh, I think I, I shared with you uh, a <clears throat> process that I did, um, a forgiveness process. And I'm going to go back to that again. Because <clears throat> as a visual, it really helps me. And I've heard from others that this really helps <clears throat> with the process. So as we're looking out in the, in the illusion in the world, um, I see all of these different figures. Now they're, they're in a row and in front of them, just imagine uh, white uh, butcher paper in front of all of the individuals that you see. Now you can put anybody's face on it. You can put anybody's face that you want. Uh, and in front of them, you know, I've scrolled, you know, liar, another one, cheat, another one, rapist, another one, uh, 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 annoying. Another one, uh, uh, let's see, a politician, whatever you want to do in front of these faces. Now, in doing that, we've imprisoned them. We put, imprisoned all of our brothers in a paper jail. They're in this paper jail. And what I see on the, on the, the, the paper is the guilt that I'm projecting on each one of them. Now, each one has a title, a label. I'm giving each one a label because, you know, that's a, I've seen them do that, or I know that they do that. So I'm seeing it. And um, it's interesting. One of uh, the students asked me, so you mean I'm a rapist if I see a rapist? Is, is that what I'm seeing? So you're saying that if I see somebody and I know that they're rapists, that means I'm a rapist? And I think this is a really good question to ask. Because those are those are specifics that we put on that on that wall, that paper wall. Those are specifics that we are aware of, and we put it there. And when I responded, I said, you know, those are specifics. I think what we need to look is we're all sitting on a carpet of guilt, 
So the guilt is giving rise, rise to the specific labels that are on the banner. Now this paper banner is, is really fragile and it's you know flimsy, but we see it as cement because it's, you know, it's there, you know, that's who we see, that's that person. And so I, what I said was, we're all in our own, and we can talk about this after I finish, we're all in our own classrooms. And each classroom gives rise to certain guilt specifics. So the specifics that I see, yes, is part of the guilt that I'm projecting. And maybe the specifics are aligned with that person's uh, classroom. That doesn't mean I'm a rapist, but it means that I'm sharing my guilt. So whatever rises to uh, in that person's classroom are the specifics of that. And because it's a paper wall, and I gotta admit, there's days when it's harder to get rid of that wall than others. There's days when it's just, you know, I said, oh, I can't do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. Because clearly today I'm not able to do this. So I, what I do is I, I see beyond the, the paper veil to who they are. And when I really see their face of innocence, and at that point I put a uh, face of Jesus on that. On that individual's face, I say, face of Jesus, because I see them as innocent. At that point, the, the paper wall goes away. And at the same time, as I see them innocent, I'm also reflecting back to myself, my own innocence, my own identity. Our identity in doing the forgiveness process is true identity, because we're really seeing who we really are, who the other person is, who I really am. And that, to me, is as close to feeling spirit as I can think of. To me, that's a, a, a ginormous holy instant. And in the holy instant, that's as close as I can get, I think. I think it says somewhere that, that forgiveness is the closest we get to, to cause. And that's because we've gone beyond the form, right? We've gone beyond, we've gone here up to the mind. In the mind, we can experience that when we have a holiness. In mind, we move from here to here. In here, as I was telling the students, I don't feel it. I'm sitting there in this heavy body, sitting in this heavy chair on this heavy planted planet with my feet heavily on the ground. And so I'm in form and form is heavy. So how do I experience it? Only through the atonement, the forgiveness process when I move from here to here. So I'd like to hear from you guys about anything. <laughs> Nidra, I, 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 I was just, I was just uh, amused by uh, how the ego likes to separate everything, including words. So I thought if you take two words, which is the rapist, and put them together, you get the therapist, and then Holy Spirit becomes our therapist, right? <laughs> it's only a symbol. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Any other thoughts out there? <laughs> yeah, Judy. Just a point of clarification. So when we're doing um, the forgiveness process, um, are you saying that we're all sitting on a car, um, actually before the forgiveness process, um, are we sitting on the carpet of guilt um, and, and looking at our brother 
who is separate at that moment. And yeah. so the projection is always the projection of guilt. Um, not necessarily a specific. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay. <clears throat> and, uh, the, and also in uh, the workbook, under what is forgiveness, forgiveness, <clears throat> excuse me, looks and waits and judges not. So once I have not judged because I see them as, as innocent and who I am, we're both innocent together. That's the forgiveness process. We look, we wait, and once we, get for, you know, once we see them as innocent, and we can do that on the outset, that's truly we're home. I mean, we can just walk in and go, I see you. And I don't see the guilt. I don't see you as labeled anything on this paper wall. That's truly forgiveness. I mean, that's, that's where I want to move to. I don't want to be able to be in a situation because, you know, we're all really in the world with all the, the stuff going on and we got lots of stuff going on. So, I mean, I'm clearly not there yet. <laughs> it's like, get, it's so easy to get drawn into the drama and we have a lot of that. So for me to, uh, to be able to say, if I, well, I'm in a situation, I walk in and, you know, whether it's on uh, TV or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because one of the things the Course says, it doesn't actually have to be a person. It could be my cell phone. I'm looking at something that, that could easily get me riled up. That's a forgiveness opportunity with a thing, with a symbol. Um, with, you know, we're on TV, we're watching TV, and of course you're gonna hear something that's, that's gonna easily move you from your peace. <clears throat> um, we get to do the forgiveness. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be an individual. It could be anything, it could be an image. Whatever takes us out of our peace is an opportunity to see it differently. So, I mean, when I'm on Facebook, I can tell you this is a per wonderful opportunity. <laughs> to see all those images differently, all the images, all the talking heads, you know, because uh, they're, they're there to, to make sure I stay separate, every single one of them. I want you separate, so you agree with me and not him. Uh, uh, just It's just division everywhere, everywhere you look. And I can tell you, it's, it's, uh, I'm, 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 I made a decision <clears throat> never to pull myself out of that. I tried that once when I was a community organizer. I, I moved to a base of a mountain with my lab. We'd hike the mountain every morning and evening. Wonderful healing experiences. But even moving out, because I was tired of corporate America, so I did this instead. And um, it doesn't go away. And you really, you really want the opportunities to do the work. You know, by pulling away, the world's still going to keep going on and still doing what it's going to do. And, and you look around and you go, oh, you know, and you, I go back in my house, close the door, go hiking with my dog, but it doesn't solve anything. You know, I really haven't changed all that much. I changed my environment. You know, I got a lot of pretty trees to look at and I healed my cancer naturally there and it was all really cool and great stuff. But, you know, other than that, nothing really changed because I come back out in the world, it's still the same and I still get riled up and I get out of my peace and I'm, I'm mad at this and I'm mad at this situation. So it doesn't matter. So I've not moved. I don't stop looking at Facebook. I still watch the news because every time uh, it's not a person, it's an image, but it's still doing the same thing as if I was talking to an individual. It's saying, okay, I want to move you out of your peace and get you crazy mad because 
that's what I'm here to do. So I get to choose once again, who, what is my identity? Is my identity aligned with ego? And I can tell you, I still have a lot of identity with ego. You know, um, I think I got really the, the big kahuna, I think. I never don't know until it comes up again. <clears throat> but I still have a lot of it. And I reconcile with some of it. It's like, well, you're just going to be here till you're here, till you're, you're not here. So, I mean, I do have that. I still, because I'm here, I'm in form, I'm going to have it. But we get choices. Anybody want to say something now? Anybody Part of the... Uh... What what Ken used to say was maybe in form we didn't kill somebody. You know, you got your picture up there on the paper of a killer. You got a picture up there of a rapist. Maybe in form we didn't act, literally rape somebody. He said, but internally, and because and and basically the the picture with the rape across it, rapist is is a distraction from what the real problem only was. It was the content was always, you know, and you can put it in in whatever words you want, but I mean, the gist of it is, I raped heaven, I stole innocence from heaven, I trashed heaven, and I'm often running on my own, and I have to constantly trash your innocence and my innocence in order to maintain this identity. So it's not just like I did it in the past, I raped heaven, I raped God, whatever, I killed heaven, I killed God, whatever. It's like I'm doing it right this second, if I'm feeling anything at all that isn't real peace that isn't real joining. Meaning, it's not just that they did it up there on, this, on the piece of paper, he raped, she, she, she killed, whatever. It's like I'm doing it right now if, I, if I'm seeing that and I think it's real and it's just a distraction from the inner content of me feeling like I did that to my own identity, my own innocent sonship as a son of God. I killed it, I raped it, I destroyed it. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's terrible stuff when you look at it that way. I mean, no, it's not a literal projection of something I did in form. That's just a distraction from me even looking at the possibility, maybe that's how I feel about myself and what I did to God, what, I, what I'm doing to you right this second. If I'm in ego mode, that's what I'm doing, literally. So, I mean, that's the horror of it. And, and to get in, begin to get in touch with that um, and not deny it. And then it, do that with Jesus. <laughs> because, you know, you start looking at, oh, I raped God. I mean, that's not a very nice thing <laughs> to even begin to admit out loud. You really want to go in there with Jesus and look at that. Or I killed God or I killed, I'm still killing my brother every second. I'm in ego mode. I mean, it's horrible stuff. But, I mean, Jesus is going to show us that that's impossible, that that content is impossible. And those, that screen with all the faces and all the names were just distractions from me looking at my own internal guilt for having believed I did that. On a scale that's way worse than anything, anybody up there on the screen did it. Because <laughs> I'm doing it right now, <laughs> this <Right>. second. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> as we get to look at that, as we're looking at the other. Yes, Stephen. Yeah, this is a uh, this is so good for me. I, I I take it all the way to the hilt, you know, all the way to the end. I I I I've been doing what you're saying for for several years now. Uh, I I I image my my granddaughter being raped, and I'm standing there, and um, I'm to love that man no matter what. Well, good luck with that. 
you know, <laughs> I, you know, I got to jump it, right? I got to, and I have to do it with love, uh, you know, so that's a, that's a hard task, but I take it to the other side too. Um, uh, very recently, I've been looking at, uh, at the subtlety of it, you know, all my life, you know, I drop something on the floor, you know, and, and, and it cracks or my toast goes on the floor, you know, jam side down and, and I go, darn, you know, and it's the same dang thing. You know, uh, uh, Wadnick uh, says that uh, that they hangnail or cancer. It's the same thing, and and we have to we have to do it that way. Uh, it, it's a hard task, but it gets easier and easier as we go along. I'm saying darn with a little bit of a smile now because it irritated me so much to continue to do it that I had to, you know, I had to uh, assuage myself. I had I had to begin forgiving myself kind of deep down, uh, you, you know, and, uh, and looking at the, the entirety of the thing, because that, that sounds okay. I mean, your, your toast jam side down, you can say shoot, you know, and you can say it with emphasis and a little oomph, but uh, that's the same thing. Anyway, uh, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. <clears throat> yeah, it's hard. I got to admit, it's hard seeing it all the same. And that's when I ask Holy Spirit, I mean, over and over and over and over and over, help me see this differently. I mean, there have been times, situations, <coughs> I've just been internally hoarse asking Spirit to help me see this differently. I mean, internally hoarse. It's like, oh, come on, help me here. <laughs> this is really, really hard stuff. And it, it's not, I mean, we, I mean, look what we made. I mean, of course it's hard. We didn't, we, we weren't going to make something that's going to be easy. So yeah, it's hard. It's, it's difficult to do that. And I, you know, and uh, so I just keep saying it over and over and over. And as I read, uh, it becomes lighter. I agree with you, Stephen. Uh, it's a lot less of that these days than it used to be. Um, and I keep, you know, telling students, it's okay, just keep doing the work. Just keep reading, just keep reading. And I'm here to listen to you. Because we, we, that's why we're, we're here for each other, because it is hard stuff. And so we just have to keep doing it over and over and over. And as, as several passages I did the last class, and it, it, Jesus says that, yeah, you're going to go bing, bong, bing, bong until it starts to get easier and easier and easier. And hopefully the big stuff is in such a ginormous hill that you just can't get up over it. I mean, I've had those dark nights of the soul. Where I never thought I'd get over the hill. It was bad. But I did got peace after incredible peace but i was you know i didn't let go of the thought that holy spirit is here with me holy spirit's going to help me through this you know just you know just moving just keep moving so yeah i mean it is it's very challenging but i'm glad to say that you know for me it's gotten way better my relationships with people have gotten way better I even had to go grocery shopping for a senior yesterday. It took me three hours. <laughs> I I did not, I did not, you know, disparage her. I did not go hum rump for rump. I just said, okay, boundaries. Next time I do, you know, more than one, you know, the bill was like two hundred and forty dollars. So it was like, you know, how much stuff I had to buy. So I finally, and I was busy. I mean, this week has been crazy. So um, I took her. So I said, now next time we're just going to do little short shopping trips rather than one ginormous one so i don't have to spend two hours in my mask in a grocery store with a lot of people 
So, I mean, things get better. I mean, I know I could, and I remember how I could, I'm going to oh, really seriously, you know, I wasn't that way. I mean, things change. How I see things change. So those instances that I get caught up in are different than it could have been. Yeah. Hi there. Maurice. I'm, yes, I'm Maurice. And I'm pretty new to this, and, but I've been taking these lessons with you all for a while. And I want you to know it. I've learned so much from all of your sharing. And one of the things I'm starting to do that I picked up from, from learning here is really helping me. I'm be, my name is Orise, and so I go, Orise, I'm starting to do that uh, third person thing. Orise sees the homeless people camped outside her door and she, she wants, she's telling herself a story that she wants to throttle them and uh, she pick up their trash and, and Orise, uh, I'm able to start distancing myself a little bit from the ego because of what I've learned here from some of you who have said, well, you know, your name, Orise is really feeling alone here. She's telling herself that story. And somehow that makes a difference. And I want to thank you. Thanks, Orise. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. Um, little quick story and uh, years ago before I retired I had a manager that I worked for and uh, Stephen may have heard the story before <laughs> I had a manager who had a huge ego that's how uh, the little Lisa self perceived him and um, you know I was listening to something Gary Renard said at the time and it really helped me a lot because what he said was uh, that if we want to perceive the spirit in somebody, and, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that we need to see them exactly as we see God. We need to see that same light in that person that we see in God. And that is what is in ourselves, and that is what is in that other person, regardless of how they act or who they are. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough slog, you know, especially if you're working with somebody who's uh, got a big ego, very domineering, um, they're in charge, and, you know, you're the subordinate. And, and I remember one day I had to have a meeting with this manager, and before I met with him, I focused my energy on seeing him the same as God, to see that light, that spirit in him before I went into the room to talk to him. And uh, it, was, it was interesting because when I went in there, my whole demeanor changed. How I viewed him uh, was not this egotistical um, man who, you know, just had comments and criticisms. It, it changed to somebody of kindness, uh, somebody who had a shared interest instead of a separate interest. Um, but the whole experience changed because I saw him differently. I saw him in a light that I had never put around him before. And then uh, the other day I was in Lowe's and 
Tim, you'll like this one because it reminded me of your tire story, uh, okay. how you were laid a miracle on the guy at the discount tire. <laughs> and I was in Lowe's and I was checking out and I saw this uh, older woman named Dottie behind the register and uh, she looked so unhappy. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, I'm going to lay a miracle on her when I go to check out. And I went up to the register and, and my only focus was to connect with her on a mind level. And, and I think I did that. And I made a personal connection with her, asking her how she was. And, you know, uh, it, it was just, that was my intention. She opened up, she smiled, she was very friendly. Uh, but, you know, it takes time to work this course. You, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. I, I think the first 10 years are the hardest. <laughs> but it's through these small uh, steps, these stepping stones with people and with uh, experiences that happen. Uh, as Ken says, we have to have these contrasts in our life to be able to see the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think that's so true. You know, we have to have these negative experiences uh, to be able to work this course. And, and those are our forgiveness opportunities. So that was it. Thank you. Good story, Lisa. Thank you. And I, again, it's, if we have to, uh, we're building our forgiveness muscle. We're building our muscle to see others as who they really are. And that takes time. You're right. It doesn't happen overnight. But I can say, uh, and I've said this before, that, you know, every time I have a holy instant, that, that one moment of peace that is shared, it goes, you know, into my, my little box of holy instance. So I always have that to draw and to remember, ah, it's possible the next moment and then the next moment and the next moment. And do I forget to do it? Uh-huh. Yep, I do. But when I do remember, it's wonderful. I love, I've, I've given lots of opportunities to do it. And these days I'm giving even more. So I think that it's, it does, it just takes time. It does take time. It takes purpose because you have to, to think about it before the situation like you did with the, with your, your boss. It takes time to, uh, to do that. I know that uh, for me, my triggers uh, were my, I always had a trigger with going into meetings. My ego loved me being in meetings. It's like, Oh, hello, we're going to go shine. And so I kept saying, okay, Holy Spirit, be with me so that I keep my mouth shut. Okay. <clears throat> so I, every time I go into a meeting, you know, okay, Holy Spirit, I want you here. And I go in and what happened? I forget. Okay. Left Holy Spirit outside the door. So it's like, I walk outside the door and I go, oh, duh, you know, and it's that muscle, you know, and I finally got to the point where I had a meeting. Holy Spirit was there with me, guiding me. It was a much better meeting, by the way, since my ego wasn't in charge. So, I mean, those are the things that's the muscle. It's the muscle that we use over and over and over. When we, we fail, it's a wonderful opportunity to do it again because I kept failing with my meetings. And it was so funny. I kept coming out going, oh, seriously, Midra, again? Because I had every intention going in differently. <laughs> I don't know how many meetings it took. It took quite a few. And it was those triggers, those ego triggers, we have those. And the world uh, continually you know, just keeps it coming. Any other thoughts out there? Alan's got something. Well, I, 
I, I have I have found that's helpful to me is when I feel attacked or or I feel whatever type of discomfort that I I think in terms of the person doing the best they can. And if I think in terms of them, them doing the best they can, what comes to my mind is that there's innocence. And if there's innocence, uh, there's no blame in me. So I, I lose that I lose that blame and I lose that entire edge. And uh, the the harder part is the recognition that I perhaps may be also doing the best I can, which is a harder step for me than than projecting out that you are doing the best you can. And that that has helped me in in, in joining and finding peace. In, in that I, 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 I don't feel the need to attack or defend because there's no one to blame. Thanks. Thanks, Alan. Anyone else? I gotta tell you, I really appreciate the sharing because you know, everybody's insight is our shared learning. And I, I, that's what I tell uh, folks, like it, the stories are really important. We are one mind. So as we all are learning, uh, as one is learning, we're all learning. Rebecca is up. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to share um, a little story about something that happened on Tuesday and then a realization that I've had about it just now as we've been talking and I've been absorbing all this. So um, on Tuesday afternoons, I work with a family, a single mom and uh, six children. Uh, four of them have been diagnosed with autism and there's a lot of alleged drama in the family and the mom is probably getting these children taken away and you know the story about it is that they're uncontrollable and she's horrible and I've been buying into the story and you know just doing my job all the normal stuff and I got a call on Tuesday that said you know, you're not going to have any help. You have to go and do work with these people by yourself. And that's usually when something in me will really remember the Holy Spirit, because that's when I really need the help. And I'll forget, you know, I, I forget when things are going smoothly, but when I really need the help, then, then I remember. And um, I was really able to go in there and my, my prayer was, um, Jesus, help me see everyone like you see them. And I went in and I had a really smooth experience. It was smooth. The mom was polite. She was helpful. She was interacting with her children. And, um, you know, I left thinking, okay, we'll see. When I change my mind, then she changes. No. <laughs> She didn't change. None of it changed. Nothing changed. The only thing that changed was me, my mind. I went to my mind and, and I think, you know, that's how I, I don't, I just had that amazing realization that it, it, it just only seems that the behavior changes. It's never about the form ever. So I wanted to share that. Thank you. 
Thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, I know I've had this uh, not similar experience and the the uh, relationships that have changed in my life, the indivi other individual has not changed at all, at all. <laughs> That's a wonderful relationship, only because I changed. The other individual didn't. And it's, it's that way whenever we, we, we uh, change our mind and we bring Holy Spirit and Jesus into the, to the, to the situation. And um, yeah, it works. It absolutely works. We have peace and we see peace. Bruce, uh, Bruce had some. I, I just earlier when you mentioned identity and, and all the who's, I was I was thinking how uh, um, just kind of a language jargon thing I found helpful is if I can remember the who is always a, a, at least you know in terms of how I normally use the, the word a separate self, a silly seemingly separate self. So if I remember that you know what we're all uh, it, you know returning to is a what identity instead of a who identity in case that's helpful thanks <laughs> the what being the 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 you know the spirit that uh, was being talked about you know the all the all of spirit as gary renard's uh, classroom suggests yeah that, that same idea thanks Thank we're you. all in whoville yeah <laughs> we are <laughs> it's it's really interesting when you change your perception uh, when i look at the world, the worldview, you know, when I, all I see are just um, all these beautiful, innocent beings on the planet, you know, it is a whoville, you know, it's just a mere perception. I'm, I'm sitting here in, you know, in this little village, you know, being cemented with all the problems around me. But if you pull back to whoville, which I love that image of whoville, you pull back and you're looking down at this, this little globe of innocent beings just trying to figure stuff out like little ants, you know, running around. And, and, and when it, it's like you pull back and you go, oh, look at the beauty. Look at that beauty. But when you're in it, it's, you have to change your mind to see the beauty because it's like, oh, it's so close. It's like right here, you know? So yeah, I love the, I love the visual of the Whoville. I just, you know, that's, that's beautiful. I love that one. Any other questions? Otherwise I'll just finish reading the lesson 90, 192 and do a closing. So let's go back to 192. <clears throat> and I'm going to start at paragraph four. <clears throat> Forgiveness gently looks upon all things unknown in heaven, sees them disappear, and leaves the world a clean and unmarked slate on which the word of God can now replace the senseless symbols written there before. Forgiveness is the measure by which the fear of death is overcome because it holds no fierce attraction now and guilt is gone. Forgiveness lets the body be perceived as what it is, a simple teaching aid. That's, and that we all know that that's, that's who we really are. This is, this is, this body, this, this is an aid to help us uh, actually get out of the body at some point. It's a teaching aid, help us to understand um, what we really should be doing here to be laid by when learning is complete, but hardly changing him who learns at all. The mind without the body cannot make mistakes. It cannot think that it will die, nor be the prey of merciless attack. Anger becomes impossible. And where is terror then? What fears could still assail those who have lost the source of all attack, the core of anguish, and the seat of fear. Only forgiveness can relieve the mind of thinking that the body is its home. 
Only forgiveness can restore the peace that God intended for his holy son. Only forgiveness can persuade the son to look again upon his holiness. And the first sentence, the mind without the body cannot make mistakes. We made the body, so we are making mistakes. We made the body to project mistakes on everything, including ourselves. So that's why the body is here. I'm going to go now to paragraph eight. Who can be born again in Christ but him who has forgiven everyone he sees or thinks of or imagines? And again, it doesn't have to be the person. It could be an imagined thing. It could be an imagined symbol. It could be somebody on Facebook. It could be a picture on Facebook or on the screen. It could be anything. So it doesn't have to be an individual. It doesn't even have to be in time. Uh, we know there isn't time. So it could be if something happened today, I have forgiven things from years ago that suddenly cropped up. I went, oh, I never did forgiveness around that. So it doesn't matter when it happens or what it is. Okay, who could be set free while he imprisons anyone? A jailer is not free, for he is bound together with his prisoner. He must be sure that he does not escape, so he spends his time in keeping watch on him. The bars that limit him become the world in which his jailer lives along with him. And it is on his freedom that the way to liberty depends for the, both of them. Any comments on any of that? I'm just going to do a closing. Um, any comments on that? I was thinking about what Orise was saying with the with the homeless thing, and um, it. Uh, and I'm certainly I've had my own issues, especially here in Denver, because we have we had communities of homeless taking a, up the entire park around the the Capitol building, and it was bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, visually it was bad. <laughs> it was it was gross, and. Uh, and and I was thinking about my reaction to that and, and thinking, you know, like, and I was kind of jealous that they could ca camp at the Capitol because I've been homeless at times and I couldn't camp at the Capitol in those days. I couldn't camp anywhere and not get busted. So I was kind of, you know, I was reacting like, well, how dare they? And uh, how come I couldn't do that? That's not fair. And then, uh, but I mean, it always goes back to the content. I mean, if I'm mad at anybody for anything, the content is, on some level, I'm homeless from heaven. I left heaven, and I made myself homeless, which is the idiocy of the thing. And probably most of them are probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, half probably are choosing to be homeless. But that's what we did. We left heaven. We chose to be homeless. And now, rather than own the silliness of that and let that preposterous idea go, I got to go blame the homeless. I mean, I, it, it just, it almost gets ridiculous when we look at what, the, what is the content of the situation, and am I doing that too? Well, no, I'm not living down on the street, but I'm certainly homeless from heaven. I was, I was thinking about Steve's, Stephen's example of, you know, getting mad at myself when I drop my toast. Or in my case, it has to do with eating too. I, I get so preoccupied with eating, and I'm chomping away, and I bite the inside of my mouth, and it's I, it hurts and I get so mad at myself instantly when I do that because basically what am I doing? I'm eating myself. I, I just, I'm, I'm chewing on my own body. I mean, that's what we think we did to God. <laughs> this is like 
gross. We we killed something and now we had to eat it. And then and then and in this case, it's me eating me. So of course I get mad. The content behind it is just like oh, but but it's a pretty gut reaction. <laughs> I mean, it really hurts too. And then worse, it gets all puffy, and then you bite it again. <laughs> it's the second and third time that really do me in. <laughs> I, and I can see nobody on the screen has done that. <laughs> I've never related to biting my jaw as cannibalism until you. <laughs> I, I'll, never, I'll, never, I'll never think of that differently. I, I can't go back from that. I can't. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, it certainly, it, certainly, uh, it helps me to remember the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> How can I forget the guilt when I bite my jaw? Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Anybody else? Yeah. No, what what no comes to my mind is when I when I think in terms of forgiveness of individual things, of someone did this to me or something like that to me, or I put my jaw this or that or whatever. Uh, it becomes really a, a task, a, a very burdensome task. If I permit my mind occasionally to generalize and say it's all the same, it's all they did the best they can, and it's all the same no matter what it was that they did. I don't have to get into that specifics of forgiving this or forgiving that because then I'm always not going to forgive something. Now, I know this theoretically, of course, but can I do this? Very seldom. But, but that is what I look to to do, is generalize, so that there is no exception. Thanks. Thanks, Alan. Any other thoughts? I want to thank all of you for sharing. There's some really... Uh, great stories and great insights from you. I really appreciate that. So for my closing, I'm gonna read on page 383. It's in lesson 199. I'm gonna read uh, uh, paragraph seven. So we're just gonna read that and just be still for a minute because there's been a lot of really good uh, stories today and uh, uh, a lot of things to reflect on, including cannibalism of my jaw to dim. <laughs> but anyway, so let's read seven. And I'm really grateful. Um, it's really hard to, uh, you know, I know Whitney said she, she gets very anxious about teaching and so do I. Um, but I do, I learned so much from doing the process. I don't know why I'm so resistant, but there it is. Um, but I want to thank you for, for your sharing today. Okay, number seven, be free today and carry freedom as your gift to those who still believe they are enslaved within a body. Be you free so that the Holy Spirit can make use of your escape from bondage to set free the many who perceive themselves as bound and helpless and afraid. Let love replace their fears through you. Accept salvation now and give your mind to him who calls to you to make this gift to him. For he would give you perfect freedom, perfect joy, and hope that finds its full accomplishment in God.
And thank you. That really filled me up. That paragraph did. That was a very, it filled me up. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Nidra. Yay, Nidra. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. -bye.